Welcome to the Granite Gals podcast. This is the podcast where we interview female hikers who hike the right mountains. I am Alexander Her, And I am Sage Her. The opinions that we personally express in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our interviewee or of any organizations we may mention. Hello, everyone. Today we are interviewing Stephanie Colley, a trans woman who is an avid all-season white mountain hiker. Welcome to Granite Gals. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with you. And by the way, I've been following you on Instagram and you and your sister, and you guys are really awesome hikers, and I'm just always amazed at how much you've accomplished. I'm way older, and I haven't done as much as you have. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. When and why did you start hiking, and why do you like to hike? So I started hiking a long time ago uh, when I was young, probably before really being, I don't know if people even called it hiking. We just go walking in the woods. <laughs> um, I grew up in a city. I grew up in Worcester, um, Massachusetts. So I'm a flatlander too. Uh, <laughs> so I grew up there and, you know, I grew up in a city, but I used to get on my bike and I'd ride out of out of the city and I'd go out to this reservoir just outside of Worcester in a um, little town called West Boylston, at, well, a little at the time. And there was a reservoir out there. So I used to go out there and I'd just get lost in the woods, you know, having fun, just that's just what we did, or what I did anyway. Um, most of my friends didn't join me because they were all city kids and mm. weren't really into hiking or walking or whatever. So I just go out there and just with my way of finding peace and joy and, and everything, it really helped me a lot. Teen years, I, I was definitely going through a lot of depression um, in my teen years, kind of a combination of just some of the normal life growth challenges, but also being trans at a, growing up at a time when being transgender wasn't really, well, the word, it wasn't even a word, let alone a valid identity. So yeah, so that was my, my piece and still is all these years. So that's probably answer your question, why do I hike? <laughs> you know, I mean, love the exercise. I like sometimes the solitude. Sometimes I love hiking with my friends. I love the views. I love and quiet. I just, just everything about it. When I get done my hike, I never feel better than when I completed a hike and just kind of look back and enjoying it. So yeah, let's hope that answers it. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. What is your favorite 4K? Why? Boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> so I've done them all, and I'm just like you. I'm working on my grid, although I'm not nearly as far. Are you are you two done your grids yet? Not yet, but we're, we're oh, yeah, on. I know you're pretty close. Um, but anyways, boy, it's it's tough. You know, this is like asking a mom who's a favorite child. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm nearly impossible to answer. I, you know, I, 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 the short answer is I, I love them all in just in their own unique ways. But I, I, you know, I don't know. If I had to pick one, one lady that's becoming more and more my favorite is Mount Monroe for some reason. Um, yeah, and I, you know, it's kind of a little overlooked. I think maybe I have kind of an underdog, you know, <laughs> kind of, yeah, let's, you know, pull for the underdog. And I like Monroe. I mean, it's kind of in Mount Washington's shadow. Mount Washington, by the way, I often call Ajokachuk because that's the Abenaki name for it. Oh, so if yeah. I, if I toggle back and forth between the two, just, you know, what I'm referring to. But anyways, it's right there in the shadows of Ajokachuk. So I think in that respect, I really like it. It has a, really just a beautiful profile. Um, especially when you look at it from Lake of the Clouds. I live here in the valley, so you often I look up most people's eyes to go to, you know, Washington or Rogers, but I always see that sharp, 
spin of <laughs> Monroe, and it just always catches my eye. And I've had just some wonderful hikes on that um, mountain. I think one of my favorites was we were up there um, back in, I think, 18 or 19, and we caught a beautiful late November day with snow everywhere in a thermal inversion. So as we were on the top, everything above a certain four or 4,500 feet were all up in the air above the clouds and everything below was like looking like looking out over an ocean uh, with islands sticking out. All you could see was the mountaintop. You know, so you could see the Franconia Range and some of the bonds and the presidentials and everything else is just cast in this. On, and that just stuck in my brain on the cast. It's just so beautiful. But I don't know. I like Monroe. It's, it's, it's kind of neat in a lot of ways. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I really like Monroe, too, actually. And uh, I agree yeah. with everything you said. It's really, really pretty up there, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> what hiking list or list are you working on? What do you enjoy about them specifically? Yeah, I started hiking a long time ago, of course. Back in the day, we didn't really do much for lists. And of course, there's no social media, no podcasts. <laughs> and when I, I mean, I started hiking, I came first came to the Whites in 45 years ago in 1975. I was 20 years old at the time, so you can see I'm old. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I climbed Mount Starking. I don't even think I got to the summit. I think I just went up there through a tent down, slept partway on the trail, and, <laughs> and then just slept the next day or something. But yeah, so things were different then, so we didn't have a lot of lists. I mean, they had the 4,000, but it wasn't a big deal. You know, some people did it, but it was all done quietly. There wasn't a big social media. You know, it wasn't like you were on Instagram holding pictures, you know, number 36, 48, whatever. So I didn't really get into it until a couple of years ago. A friend of mine was working on her 48 and said, hey, how many of those have you got done? You've been hiking for a long time. I says, I don't know. I looked. I had like 32. I said, well, let's finish them up together. So I finished those back in 18, and then I just didn't really work on too much for a while. Now I'm a grid idiot, <laughs> and uh, I'm doing the grid. I see it. Lists are, are interesting. I have a kind of a love-hate relationship with them. On one hand, I don't want to be a summit bagger and miss everything between the parking lot and the summit. So I kind of have some you know, mixed feelings about it, and I hate people that just hike because they want to check something off. I'd rather be in the moment and enjoy it. And yeah. I try to use it like as a tool, you know, as a way to just sort of I look at my list and say, well, what haven't I done in a while? Okay, I haven't done this one in January, so okay, I'll go do that one, you know, today. So it gives me a little more focus, and I guess that's a good thing. It allows me to do some hikes that maybe I might not otherwise typically think of. So that's kind of the way I've gone at it. So in the grid, I actually, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little story. So the grid, what motivated me was uh, I met this woman, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot her name, but she's from Meredith, New Hampshire, just south of here. And she was an amazing woman. She's 75 years old, and I met her this summer hiking up Mount Kerrigan. And she was, you know, going along a little slow pace, but, you know, she was moving along. And, I, you know, I got talking with her and her friend, and as we were talking, she was telling me how she had completed the grid once and was 70% of the way through her second grid. And I wow. just, like, my jaw dropped, and I said, oh, my God, I said, I want to be like you in 10 years from now. <laughs> and I was so, I was just, like, blown away by her and just her determination. It was June, mid-June, I think. Got to the summit of Carrigan. I got up there. I quickly, you know, went on the fire tower, came back down. It was like 40 degrees with a 40-mile-an-hour misty wind blowing. I mean, it was just cold and raw. 
I came down headline. She came passed me by on the way up, you know, just kept kept right on going. Commented, came back down, we had lunch together, and she just inspired me so much. I said, I got I have got to, to do this. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's this summer, that's kind of where it was came out of. And also too with the pandemic. Previously I would often in the summertime go out west. Well, with the pandemic, I didn't feel comfortable with that. So I said, I need something else to kind of be my focus this year. And so I said, oh, I think I'll work on my grid. So so here I am working on it. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways, oh, so many things I could tell you about why I love the hiking community. But, you know, you just meet amazing people with these incredible stories on trail, all sorts of stories. I, I, I can't, oh, my God, I could, I could probably go on for hours, but. I meet these people and I just like listen to the stories and I just, I get amazed and inspired and she definitely inspired me that day. Yeah, definitely. Um, where have you hiked in addition to the White Mountains? Uh, what is your favorite place to hike outside the Northeast? Yeah, well, I've hiked in a good number of the national parks back in 91, almost 30 years ago. Ooh, that's scary. Um, <laughs> I, I went on a cross-country trip, first cross-country trip I had been on. Um, and so I went and went to just about all the Western National Parks, Glacier and Grand Canyon, oh, you name it, Mount, Mount Rainier, you know, the whole, went all throughout the West and absolutely loved it. Um, wow. And, yeah, so then I, I went back in 92, went back into the Grand Canyon, hiked through that, so I, I certainly loved it there. I just recently, actually, before the sort of second surge of this pandemic, I actually did get out to have a friend who was in Arizona, I went out and we stayed in the backcountry the whole time, including four days in the Grand Canyon. So that was really a wonderful treat. And so, yeah, so Grand Canyon, I love it. <laughs> I lived for about a year out in um, the Jackson, Wyoming area, just outside of Grand Teton National Park. So I, I hiked there considerably. My son, who's now home but was living in Colorado for this, he, uh, I hiked out there with him out in Colorado or, or in with some of my friends. So I love Colorado. It's wonderful mm. hiking there. It kind of reminds me of the white it's on a bigger scale. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Similar. But I, I just so I love that. So, yeah, a long time ago I was involved in some search and rescue groups, and I did some couple – down at the Great Smoky Mountain National Park in Tennessee. There was a tracking school down there, and we learned to track people in the woods. So I did that. So, yeah, a little of this, a little of everything. So, yeah, if I have to take one absolute place, either the Grand Canyon or Colorado, I would say would be my two top outside of the Northeast. Okay, thanks. Wonderful. Yeah, we hiked a little bit in Colorado. It seems really pretty. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It, it is similar, oh. like with all the rocks and everything. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the trail's <laughs> a little bit more switchbacky and a little bit yeah. nicer underfoot um, than our <laughs> gnarly <laughs> trails that we're famous for back here, but still reminds me of it in some ways. Cool. How and when did you come back to yourself as a trans woman, and how has that impacted your life as a woman? Boy, again, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, you also do a lot of editing. So, all right. <clears throat> long, long story, because that is so much a part of my existence. As early as four years old, my earliest memory. I mean, at the time, there wasn't the language of we have now. So I couldn't say, hey, I'm a girl, you know, because that just was not acceptable in those days. But I, you know, exhibited what we would now call gender non-conforming behavior back at those days. I was the youngest of four children, and I was very close to my sister, who was a year older. 
So I would hang out with her. I would ask her to let me wear her clothes. I felt comfortable, you know, and I'd get away with it once in a while because they'd go, oh, that's cute that wearing this dress. But then after a while, that she, you know, kind of went away. And then, <laughs> so I kind of quickly learned that wasn't really acceptable. So anyways, I kind of went through life struggling, very confused as to who I was, um, why I felt what I felt, why I felt different than the other boys. And eventually, I read a story when I was about 18 years old, and um, when I read the article, I, it was about trans women. Again, the term wasn't quite being used then, but I read that, and I was like, oh, my God, that's me. I get it, finally. So at, like, 18 years old, it, like, suddenly hit me like lightning bolts out of the blue, and I realized that I'm trans. So, again, keep this as short as possible, but many years of counseling, but back in those days, the information was very poor, and I got misled and, and more confused, um, and finally I just said, I just got to stuff this back in the bottle. I can't deal with it. It's just it's too confusing, too painful, and I just, I did. I just stuffed it back in the bottle, and I lived with it for about 30 years before it kept kind of coming out every so often it'd be like going along like trying to survive but then I would go through these periods of depression and confusion and anxiety about it all finally I went back to counseling when I was in my early 50s um and I started my transition and I'm now 65 and I'm four years ago I actually fully came out as trans so I was I'm a late transitioner (laughs) but now I finally feel at peace with myself after all these years. So, yeah, so here I am. The world, lo- love me or leave me. <laughs> but that's the way I am, so, yeah. It's so inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Have you ever experienced sexism directed towards you on the trail? Maybe a little. Not a whole lot. Because most of my hiking friends are women. So mostly I hike with them. And I hike with pretty strong, confident women. And I think when most people see us, they kind of just, they know we're coming from about a half mile away because they hear us laughing. And then, and then when you get there, and like most of them are like, hey, these, these folks know what they're doing, and they just kind of let us go by. Every so often you'll get that sort of condescending male thing, particularly when I'm solo hiking. Mm-hmm. Me and go, oh, you know what's ahead? And I'm like, yeah, I've been on the mountain about 20 times. <laughs> uh, but, you know... For the most part, it, it's not it's not too bad. I, I've gotten probably a couple more like transphobic looks. But most of the time, no. Most of the time, I mean, really, the hiking community is an amazing, accepting, loving, even embracing community. And most people, even if they clock me as being trans, they're fine with it. But every so often, I come across somebody that clearly is uncomfortable. One man I met on Mount Tom a couple of winters ago, and I'm hiking up, hiking down, almost near the summit. And I, you know, just said, you know, hiding, talking briefly, and you know, he's telling me about this, that, and the other thing. And finally, I started typing in a few things, and my voice, as you can tell, is kind of deep. So, <laughs> very quickly, he kind of must picked up on it because his face almost went blank and and he drained all the color out of his face, and yeah. he very quickly <laughs> turned around and left without saying anything. I'm like, ooh. Well, Okay, <laughs> I could see uh, he was a little nervous about me, but really beyond that, really most of the time the hiking community is pretty good. 
again, yeah, you get. I'm more likely to run into sort of sexism kind of in, in daily stuff. Like, as um, if I go into a place like Home Depot or Lowe's, you know, and I go, and I go to pick up something there, you know, I'll get the usual, can I help you, ma'am? And, you know, you don't know what you're really looking for. And I'm like, no, actually, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but anyway, so not so much on the trail for the most part, I would say. Yeah, we have heard from other people that it's more apparent in daily life than it is on the trail, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think now, too, there's so many women hikers, you know? And again, yeah. I go back to when I first started back in the 70s, very few women hiked, or certainly the majority were men, and the the bulk of them that did hike would be typically one woman with her boyfriend or husband and then three other guys <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although I had an interesting meet two winters ago. We went up and we stayed overnight at Grey Knob Camp on the backside of Mount Adams. And there was a just a lovely young lady who was the caretaker for the RMC up there. And we came in and it was late at night, cold. It was like minus five degrees. It was blowing. It was cold. It was dark. It was just tough conditions. And we came in there and like, oh, my God, come into Grey Knob. It was just wonderful, you know. Got a little wood stove going. It's probably 35 degrees in there. It just feels like a sauna compared to outside. Anyway, we're, there we are in there and met this young woman, and we got talking. And later on, I decided to just hang around for a little bit. And her and I were talking. She goes, you know, she says, I am so thrilled you and your two friends came up. Was, both my friends were two other women. And she said, you know, before you showed up, I was the only woman in there. And she said, these men were loud and obnoxious and sexist and everything else. And she said, as soon as you three came through the door, they all just hushed up and started behaving themselves. <laughs> so she was thrilled to have have another woman up there and not, you know, be the only one. Yeah. That, that's what probably, I, I, I didn't witness it myself, but clearly that that was going on before that. So. Tell us about your most memorable animal encounters on the trail. Okay, funny, because, you know, we don't see a lot of animal stuff here in the Northeast. Oh, God, but I, I, in other places, um, Colorado, I came across some mountain goats up on the trail. We were hiking on a 12,000-footer of Buffalo Mountain and came across these uh, mountain goats. And clearly, they're probably pretty accustomed to hikers, much like Canadian jays here in New, in New England. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. and they followed us the whole ways. I mean, I was literally hiking side by side with a group of them. <laughs> I don't know if they were waiting for <laughs> But they literally were just hiking right next to me. And that was pretty cool. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I've had a few other ones. You know, here I've come across some some rough grouse, and I find them kind of cute and friendly in their own sort of unique ways. I don't know. I've been a lot of them. Like, I had some bear encounters down in the Smokies way back in the day when I was down there. Yeah, but I have to say that I think that mountain goat was probably that was enjoyable and fun one. Okay, cool. Uh, do you prefer hiking solo or with a group of people? Hmm. That's kind of one of those, which is my favorite child question again. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> You know, I, I love solo hiking, and I do a fair amount of it. And I do that much part because sometimes, as, as one of my friends told me, um, this woman who I hike, do hike with sometimes, she said, you know, if you don't hike solo, sometimes you don't get to hike at all mm-hmm. because, you know, your schedule comes along and, you know, life's busy and 
you know, everything else tugging at your time and this is the one day and the weather's good and if you don't and yeah. maybe not everybody else will be able. So out of necessity, solo hiking has certainly been a mainstay of what I do. But I also love hiking with my friends. I have a couple of really close good friends that I knew before my transition and after. Um and they've been super supportive and just treated me just like any other friends. So it's been that's embracing and warm and, and affirming. And we just have the greatest time. They are two of the funniest ladies you'll meet on the trail. So if you ever do see us, be careful because <laughs> we can be quite um quite the the group on trail. <laughs> and yeah, they're just fun so and i and i have you know fortunately through social media i've met a number of other friends sometimes now i have a hard time just getting my schedule okay well this day i'm hiking with this one and this day i'm hiking with that one and this day i'm hiking with this one and so i you know i love them both and they're just unique you know in unique ways i love that solo experience sometimes just being in my own space and time and i'm not pressured by anybody else i just do my own thing i love that part of it very peaceful, I think, but I also love the social aspect of being with friends. So it's, again, kind of hard to pick my favorite child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What's next? Do you have any specific hiking-related plans for the future? Oh, well, um, I definitely will continue to um, work on my New Hampshire grid, um, and that'll keep me going for a couple years because I've only got maybe 150 of them done now. So I've got a long, long ways to go, <laughs> as you know. But I'm also, you know, as I said, I see it more as a tool than as a engine of, of itself. You know, I just like, you know, it just gives me a reason to get out. And if I get it done, great. If I don't get it done, eh, whatever, you know. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a way to keep me getting out there. So yeah. I've been working on that for sure. And, I, you know, I've kind of gone into sort of semi-retirement rather than full-time. So I'm hiking more. Uh, my body holds up. But I feel like I'm in a race. <laughs> Hopefully my body continues to hold out. So, yeah, so I just will continue to work on hiking here. And then hopefully when the pandemic is settled down, I will definitely do some traveling, get out west again. I do love hiking out west as well. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. yeah. So here are some questions that are mostly unrelated to hiking. What do you do for a living? So I'm a nurse. I've been in healthcare for 40-plus years now. Um, I spent the first six, seven years as an EMT, and I mentioned earlier I used to do some search and rescue. That's how actually I got into healthcare. I was just, I was, you know, an outdoor bum looking to enjoy the outdoors, and somebody said, hey, you know, if you take first aid, you can become a ski patrol and ski for free, and I didn't have much money, and I had time, so I'm like, sure, cool. (laughs) So, like, you know, I did that, and then I got the first aid, and then I did a little longer, became an EMT, then I got hired by the ambulance service, and then I went back to nursing school, and so on. So, yeah, so now, though, sort of semi-retired, I'm I'm a pre diem nurse. I work as a nursing supervisor at a critical ass hospital just over the border in in Maine. So I do that. It's a pretty stressful job, particularly now with the pandemic. Um, Yeah. I've been in healthcare for a long time, and I I just was feeling a need to just pull back a little bit. But I'll continue to be available and work. It's kind of hard to... Somebody said being in nursing is like being a little bit in the mafia, like you know too much, you can't really get out. <laughs> and so I just, it's hard for me to just turn that off because part of who you are when you're a nurse. You know, you, I mean, I go on trail if I ever see somebody hurt or injured, like just from there because I just can't turn that off. I mean, anyways, it's just part of who I am. So I'll continue to work for a while. We'll see. Okay. That's amazing. 
Um, what are some organizations you are a part of or hobbies you have outside of hiking? Well, let's see. Aside from organizations, you know, I'm in the AMC, the RMC, they're, they're sort of hiking related. I'm not in any other ones at this point. Nursing took a lot of time. It's a very demanding profession. It's a great profession, but it's very demanding. So that really took a lot of my, my free time. And then, of course, I raised my kids for the last 25 years, so they kept me busy. And even now that they're semi-grown-ups, they're tooting back under my roof again. <laughs> so kind of like you never quite stop being a parent <laughs> once you are one. So, so that kind of has kept me busy. But now that I've, I kind of moved into semi-retirement, I sort of am, you know, waiting to see. I haven't quite decided where I want to put my energy, but I'll probably end up doing some volunteer work. I think I think about things like the food drives, the food pantries and stuff. Especially right now during the pandemic, because so many people are unemployed and the need for food security is really high. Um, I've seen it in my profession, and I certainly see it in my community. And again, especially now during the pandemic and the recession. So I you do something like that, or I don't know, some other volunteer work, something maybe I might do something related to the outdoors, maybe become an AMC or RMC volunteer, trail builder, something like that. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still kind of figuring that out. Okay, awesome. What's your favorite non-hiking-related book? Oh, tough one. My favorite book is a hiking book. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I love uh, where, where, where You'll Find Me. Oh, yeah. That, that um, book was just riveting and haunting and chilling and just a must-read for anybody who hikes in the whites, in my opinion. Mm. But anyway, as far as other books, I, I really enjoyed the book Contact many years ago by Carl Sagan. I know that's dating me a little bit, but I'm also a bit of a science geek, <laughs> and oh, okay. I, love, I love astronomy and things of that nature, and I really enjoyed that book. I read it part of an astronomy class that years ago I was taking, just kind of, hey, I, I like this, and I've got a passion for it, let's just take an astronomy class and let's have some fun. So I took one, and, and that was one of the required readings in it, and I really enjoyed it. It was really good, and of course, they made the movie out of it eventually. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of puts it in perspective, I think, the whole issue of sort of humanity. We sometimes think of ourselves as tribal, you know, like, oh, we're, from, we're Americans or even further, we're Northerners or Southerners versus Westerners or Midwesterners and, you know, we're this ethnic group and whatnot. But when you start looking at it from a more universal perspective, we're Earthlings. So, you know, they talk about the vegans in that book, the star um, around Vega. So, yeah, just so it kind of gives that little bit more global perspective, a universal perspective to humanity and, you know, how we really just share this common bond, this little scale blue dot. Carl Sagan's work, I, it's, it's amazing. There's so many different taught us, I think, not just about astronomy, but about life and social bonds and, and uh, responsibilities to each other. Just an amazing human being. So anyways, so I have to say that's probably right up there. Cool. Yeah, it sounds really fascinating. I'd love to read that. Mm, yeah, it's a good book. Yeah. If you could either fly or be invisible, which one would you choose and why? <laughs> mm, I think I'd fly. <laughs> I think I'd like to fly. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, you know. Uh, I think I'd still yeah. It might be fun to fly down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of times that I get to, to a summit, it's like, 
Oh, that was the fun, challenge part. I mean, yeah, it's challenging coming down. It's even more challenging, but you know, sometimes you're like, okay, I'm done. I just want to fly out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, just I don't know, and just being up in the air and the thing. One of the early things in my interest in nature, well, there was many, but was certainly birds because I had very little else as I was growing up in the city. There wasn't many trees around. Well, I mean, there were a few trees, but I grew up in a pretty you know, urban area. And so I didn't have a whole lot, but birds were there. And birds were kind of my first link to the natural world. And I remember huh. having a, a guide to birds, Peterson guides, way back in the day. And um, that really got me interested in it. And so I always had an interest in that. And in my early hiking, I remember hiking around the Quabbin Reservoir back in the 1970s when eagles were endangered. And there were a couple of pairs of eagles that would come out there every winter. And I'd hike out there. And, and often there were people set up with spotting scopes and they'd be pointing them out. So, you know, birds have always held a special place in my heart. Just, you know, it's just amazing to think of flying and Recently, I was I was in the Grand Canyon. Um, we got to this little camping area, and what greeted us was a California condor flew right over our head just as we got there. And Ooh. California condors are, of course, very rare and endangered. We had the great fortune of seeing that as as we came right into camp that night. It almost was like a welcoming thing, and it was just you know like okay, another spiritual cue from the universe. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was pretty cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, dogs or cats. <laughs> I would definitely say dogs. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, it's funny. I always loved dogs um, when I was a kid, but my parents didn't want one. And, and then I became a parent. And frankly, I didn't want one, even though I wanted one. I didn't. Oh. I kind of had mixed feelings. You know, it's like I was so busy, you know, raising kids. I had three kids and busy with that and work and life and everything else that I just didn't want that other responsibility. So my daughter, who's now 20, almost 26, she just got her dog, and oh, just and this dog is just an absolute sweetheart. <laughs> so I fall in love with her dog, <laughs> and I love dogs. I love seeing them on trail. I just didn't want to take the responsibility. Maybe I might now that I'm retired. As soon as my kids are fully gone, maybe I will. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And finally, if you had to pick one, summer hiking or winter hiking in the woods? Boy, another one of those. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, I mean, let's face it, we all love the carefreeness of summer, right? right? Well, you travel lighter, the margin of error is so much bigger. <clears throat> if you're hiking solo and you get injured in the winter, you're in a world of hurt. But if <laughs> you can probably get by the long days, you can do long traverses. I did a couple of Z-Long traverses this year, and those were fun. I love those long hikes. It's hard to beat that, or camping out, temperatures are reasonably mild. Um, that, those are just wonderful. It's, so pretty, the carefulness of summer hiking is wonderful. Then it's tempted by bugs and heat. You can see more people on trail. You know, wintertime comes, you get more solitude, and the mountains get more majestic. And I love snowshoeing. Snowshoeing is one of my favorite things. You're not stepping over rocks and roots and everything else. Can you're in your snowshoe once the trough is built? You know, you're just sort of stepping in that beautiful homogenized little trail that's you know nice and smooth and soft on your legs. And so I don't know. I, I'll say if I have to choose, I'll say I love them both. It just okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a really tough decision. 
Yeah, that's okay. There, 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 there were some questions and conversations. Uh, it's just hard for me to give a, a binary answer to something that has so many complexities. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There are pros and cons to each one. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, this has yeah, been lovely. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for, for the opportunity. Hopefully I didn't overtalk my time. Um, no. <laughs> my no, it's perfect. Um, the preservation of the environment is important if we want to continue having beautiful mountains to hike. We strongly encourage you to donate to Union of Concerned Scientists, or UCS. It is an amazing organization that does important scientific research to help prevent negative effects of climate change. You can learn more about UCS and donate to their organization at ucsusa.org.